Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, a.k.a. AKP, a.k.a. Mr. Chaos. I was supposed to come up with another nickname, but I did not, so I didn't do my homework, <laughs> but that's okay. Alistair, how's it going, man? It's going well. I, uh, I mean, it, it could be going better. I don't have a new nickname, and uh, Chaos, frankly doesn't seem to be in right now so that's a little disappointing other than that doing great and the chaos of course is is um he's referring to the lack of chaos or drama at the rugby world cup this past weekend although the fiji match was was fun though i do think it's setting up for an interesting final pool play weekend with you know a couple of teams still needing to to win to get their berth in the to the quarterfinals we'll talk all about that uh, in in just a little bit, but we can't always have drama and chaos in our lives. AKP, you know, my blood pressure would be high, my anxiety would just go through the roof. So, you know, I was okay with a, a quieter weekend, I guess, of rugby. Yeah, I guess I need to stop smiling sometimes. <laughs> chaos all the time. <laughs> well, AKP, of course, you know, after we recorded last week and edited and released the podcast on Glory DC. We made a couple of announcements. Well, they made an announcement at the end of last week. Let's cover that. And then, of course, returning player this week. But I'll let you take the reins here. Please announce the two recent signings, or the one signing, and then we'll get into the player re-signing. Yeah, so the exciting new signing is Scottish international Damien Hoyland, who has is a a super experienced winger played for 105 caps for Edinburgh, five caps for the Scottish men's 15s team. And then um, 20 some caps for their, their U 20 team and uh, several caps for their sevens team as well, I think. And he comes in as a, a super experienced winger. It's sort of the, the first of the, promised flood of players from uh, northern hemisphere rugby you know obviously coming courtesy the the scottish connection simon cross being a, a scotsman in himself and is actually an interesting signing the thing that interests me the most about this signing is he's a you know as as i've just covered accomplished player 29 years old he's actually pretty much the most experienced winger we've ever had when you look at the way Old Glory has built rosters in the past, we tend to rely on very young, inexperienced wingers. Like the 2020 season was sort of the exception. Um, that year we had Declan O'Donnell, who was New Zealand seven star and like quite a big name and, and also 29 years old at the time and uh, very an older, more experienced player for us. And Doug Frazier played a fair amount on the wing that year. But other than that, you know, we've, we really have tended to rely on like DeMonte Noble, Sam Cassano were big in 2021. And then Penny Lasanga, fairly young guy last year. And Junior Sow wasn't, is he's not a young guy, but he is inexperienced as a, a union player. And so we've really tended to focus on, giving younger players time on the wing. And so bringing in an experienced winger, a guy who's who's played a hell of a lot at, of rugby at wing, 
it could be interesting to see what it does for the team and how it changes how we play and, and the look. And particularly, I mean, he's got some great highlights on, you know, attacking highlights of intercept tries and just making defender after defender miss and, and stuff like that. But I'm actually particularly excited for what it means defensively. We've mm. always sort of had a bit of a weakness on the wings. We have let teams exploit that. And I feel like having an experienced presence on the wing could really shore that up. It's not something we've focused on as a team a lot. And I'm I'm curious to see what this does. And especially knowing that that Simon Cross is a defensive coach primarily. You know, that's where his, his DNA is. It'll be interesting to see what Hoyland can contribute defensively to the the wing. Yeah, I've had a couple of questions. Um, one, seemingly he probably slots in. He's going to be, you know, the you know week one if he's if he's healthy. Week one, he's going to be starting on the wing, eleven or fourteen jersey. And then the next question is, you know, you mentioned a little bit there. What does that mean for the rest of the roster construction? Right, some of those younger players who were starting to get a little more playing time, but like a guy like, like John Rizzo, you know, what does that mean for him? What does that mean for some of our other younger wings? You know, there's, there's rumors some players may be going to Miami. Um, <laughs> you know, we won't cover it too much. They're just little whispers here and there, but I think, you know, that's, it's, I think you're right though. I think it sends a message to the rest of the league here that, um, you know, it, it's looking like, Old Glory DC, their attack and their defense obviously is going to be different to last year because you've got Simon Cross coming in. But, you know, international caliber, high caliber player who has pretty good size out there on the wing too. So excited what it what it yeah. means for the team. But, you know, more competition and seemingly probably a, a starting spot if he's healthy come week one. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be good for the younger players. I mean, the younger players, obviously you want to see them get time. but I sometimes think you can you can give them too much time too early. I feel like coming, you know, a player like John Rizzo, like it's better to grow into the the role of being a starting winger than rather than being the starting winger because we don't have anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that, and the thing is, I think there will still Rizzo's still going to get on the field. He'll still be on rosters, I think, and yes. it'll just be he'll be coming on off the bench or if someone gets injured he'll be stepping up or if we run out of foreign player slots because again Hoyland is not a a US eligible player he's going to be taking up one of those foreign player slots and that's always important to keep track of you know that's that that was one of my next questions and I want to go back to your research paper from earlier where it talks about you know in MLR the domestic players and where positions are strengths in MLR. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I feel like there was a pretty healthy mix of back three players domestically. Um, so that's going to obviously change, uh, you know, match day selections, knowing that, you know, it, seemingly there was a, a, a good surplus of, of domestic talent to take a back three position. So if you're using that for an international there, and I know Ogoy has, has had to work with that, in the years past, but yeah, that international slot is certainly taken into consideration here. So we'll see what that means for where, where the rest of the domestic players are going to show up on the match day 23. But yeah, exciting, exciting signing for Old Glory. Their second big Scottish signing, right? We covered was it Rob Harley a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. That, that Scottish connection paying off. 
in case anyone has forgotten, Old Glory has a one of the minority owners is the Scottish Rugby Union. And they've been I mean, they've been influential in the background for a while now. The when we pick they had a when we were searching for a coach last time, they helped play a part in that. And what obviously when um, we were searching for a coach this time, they played a part, and that's how we ended up with with Simon Cross. So, and now it's also paying off on the field too. You'd assume that it's good for Scottish rugby to have a place to send experienced players, and we've sent players over there in the past too. So, it's good to see this partnership really paying off for both sides. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The most recent. Let's move on. The most recent player re-signing I think is one of your favorite players so I'm going to let you cover bring up the player who re-signed for Old Glory yep none other than the captain Jamison Fanano Schultz he was uh he's been with the team since 2020 so this is his this will be his fifth year with the team and last year took over the captaincy and seemed to do a good job with it a young Fairly young, eh, middle-aged, middle-aged as far as rugby players go. <laughs> still Can't in his twenties. Yeah, yeah, he's still right. in his twenties. Yeah, USA Eagle. He really looked impressive with the Eagles in rugby World Cup qualifying, which obviously we didn't win those, but he looked good as an individual player and really has a shot at securing a a pretty key role with the Eagles when he gets back with them injured at the end of last season. So that really took him out of Eagles contention. He had surgery on his shoulder and is seems to be recovered from that now from what he said. So he should be able to hit the ground running back at the, in the new season. It's great to have him back. So excited that he's back. Uh, great addition to the team, really stepped up last year and accepted that the captain's role. And I think you're right. I think he, he nailed it. I think he did a great job just through his action and his play alone, right? There, there's leadership roles where you're more vocal and you've got some leaders who, who do it with the action. You could never say that, that, that Jamma did not care about <laughs> win, lose or draw, no matter if they were up or down, he was given it at hundred percent. And I think the players rallied around that. So it's good to see that he's back coming back from a, a shoulder injury and should be firing and ready to go for week one. That's exciting. I guess AKP, my question though is, you know, since they kind of moved them around a little bit, you know, you had Nico Jones playing a little bit of flanker. You've got Corey Daniel now back in the mix. Where are we going to see him? Is he going to be eight man? Is he going to be flanker or is he going to be a little bit of both depending on maybe matchups and availability of players and stuff? That's a good question. I guess part of it depends on whether Nico Jones comes back. I think that's yeah. a bit of an open question still. He's such a he was one of those sort of a celebrity in or an up and comer in New Zealand rugby scene until he got injured and COVID really derailed things. So it could be that having had a good year with old glory, he might look to get back into the New Zealand rugby scene. I wouldn't count on him coming back. But even if he does I think one of the advantages of Jam as a player is he's a great number eight, but he is also fast enough, certainly at the MLR level, to play at flanker as well. 
And like you say, it's going to be interesting with Corey Daniel there as well. And we just brought in... We've got good South American flankers. Rob Harley. And we've got good South American flankers as well. I mean, if Bavaro comes back, then that he's another guy that you really don't want to keep off the field. Massive amounts of experience. So it could get crowded back there. And I guess we'll see what happens. But personally, I think you'll see... I think you'll see JAMA start at the eight, certainly at the beginning of the year. And they may move things around as they see, you know, what players' strengths are and who will work best and how the team will work best with players at different positions. But I think I think he'll probably start at eight. I think Corey Daniel's gonna take a moment to get back on the field. I don't see him starting right at the beginning of the year. He's had a long time off with injury. And it always takes a moment to to come back from that and to get back used to the level. And then from there, it's competition. We'll see who plays well. And you can't always predict that before the season starts. And players who on paper seem like they should be the better players aren't always. I mean, just look at the fly half situation last year. You know, Tito was the the sort of presumed starter. And then Grady kind of came out of nowhere and showed that he really fit better with the team as it as it was constituted that year and that that's just how it goes and that's i think it's great that we have so many players that so many good players that we're thinking aha which one do we play which how do we play them all there aren't enough spots on the field and that is a great place to be in it's a, it's a fun exercise to play at the beginning of october <laughs> we still have a couple of months before we don't even know drinking. who's on the team <laughs> Who's going to play? Guys, it's October. So what? Who's going to play? Yeah, and every year there's there's players that you that do great and then kind of disappear because you know, personal reasons or they there just isn't space from roster or they don't fit yeah. with a new coach or whatever. So it you know, maybe Bavaro doesn't come back. Who knows? Maybe he does. And I think Bavaro the other option is he did pretty well when slotted in at lock as well so there's a chance we could see uh, Bavaro come off the bench as a sort of lock slash flanker cover you know one player who can cover I mean he also did played some eight last year he was he's a really versatile player so we could see him used in a more flexible way next year Mm -hmm. just because he can handle it well let's go down this road for a second I think there's still a couple pieces and maybe we devote another episode later to you know, some, some pieces they need to fill here. But I saw some question marks around fullback, right? And whether or not Kurt Baker's going to be coming back, I, I don't think, you know, with, with with his experience and tread on the tires and, and the fact that he was kind of maybe moving more into a coaching role, I'm still a little uncertain who the fullback is going to be. I, I got a feeling we'll, we'll probably see something or someone signed between now and in training camp or maybe a couple players. So fullback is something – you know, to, to look out for, but um, definitely a fun exercise to play again at the beginning of October. <laughs> Where's yeah. everyone going to be? Yeah, we'll just play 15 forwards and then we'll just, you know, let's just, just beat the crap out of people. Just stick we'll just jam on the, the wig. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Kyle Stewart, he can kick well. We could have stuck him at fullback. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Simon Cross, if you're listening, 
I'm curious what the front row situation is going to be like. That's still for me the big yeah. question mark because we know Kyle Stewart isn't coming back. Ramiro Herrera well, didn't even stick around for the full season yeah. last year. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, obviously, I don't think Jack Scar is going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. Gaddis is already confirmed to be yeah. returning, but could Cali step up and play? You know, prop. You know, in the starting role. Yeah, potentially i guess yeah. we'll see and yeah. maybe maybe he'll get that or maybe we'll bring someone in i mean the with the jersey reds going out of going out of business there's a chance that we can get stephen longwell who is bring him back our top prop in 2021 yeah. on the loose head side or uh tight head side he's a tight head prop so it, it could be that we pick him back yeah. up and yeah. and slot him in Jim did, did tweet at him afterwards said, yeah. hey, come on home. <laughs> I, I think there's a non-zero chance. It's, it'll, <laughs> I think it'll depend on what other offers come in, but yeah, it would be great to have him back. He was a, he was a quality tight head. I mean, Jason Robertson, he's come back, so, you know. It'll be the, uh, the 2021 reunion tour. <laughs> they started off really well, too, in 2020, so, you know, maybe rekindle yeah. some of that magic. But yeah. on the scrum was great in 2021 yeah. disaster in 2020 great in 2021 kind of shaky 2022 pretty good last year so yeah. nice well hey akp let's um let's move on there's a couple other uh some news around mlr i want to touch on real quick the first thing here is that um and this is just interesting because you know, the, the, our current MLR champions, New England Free Jacks, announced that their assistant coach, Mike Rogers, who uh, in the offseason became the Manawatu Turbos uh, head coach, he's officially moved on from the New England Free Jacks, right? So they're going to be looking to replace head coach. I don't think there's been details whether or not Scott Matthew, the head coach, is coming back. It seems like he's coming back, but who's to say? You know, oftentimes you see – you see a coach win a championship and then they, you know, they, they move on or move up or what have you. So just something to keep an eye on, you know, we'll see what's happening in, in, in the in New England land. Um, but I'm going to move on to the San Diego Legion. They've, uh, they made an announcement that they're bringing back seven players, returning players. One I got to bring up is Isaac Ross, who um, is going to be 39 at the end of October. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, good for for Isaac for for coming back. He's an all he's a former All Black, but he's gonna be thirty nine. Especially as a a forward. Yeah, yeah. It's I, one I gotta thing th- to do that as a back. Yeah, yeah. So I got to think they feel like they've got a real good shot at contending again and making a run, getting back to the championship game. So we'll see. Other players coming back. Mikey Taylor's coming back. Davida Tamalau's coming back. Um, Sean McNulty Hooker's coming back. Josh Henderson. Fly fullback is coming back from San Diego. We know that Will Hooley um, has retired, but has accepted a position in MLR as a technical director. No word if Ma Nanu is coming back. He's another guy where it seems like there's still some, you know, he's obviously not as quick as he used to be. He's still powerful. But, heck, maybe you throw him in the forward pack. I don't know. But, you know, there's not been an yeah. indication otherwise whether or not he's coming back. So, you know, maybe the door is still open. We'll see. It's a good question. Also, uh, no word of Sama Malolo, who has yeah. had a fantastic yeah. World Cup, and you have yeah. to think is entertaining some offers from 
wealthier teams. <laughs> wealthier teams. Yeah, I think he's scored three tries so far, maybe a couple of more already for Somo, and he's had a great and look. Yeah, absolutely. The, the super rugby team can, can poach him and do it, young man, go out there. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye um, on that. Other news, this is probably the worst kept secret in MLR, but the Chicago Hounds officially announced they have signed scrum half Nick McCarthy. No relation to rugby wrap-ups, Matt McCarthy. Uh, but, you know, McCarthy, Linster, Munster guy, you know, capped eagle now. He's he's in the Chicago um, roster now. And they've got another USA international fly half there, Michael Baska. Not sure what's going to happen there. But um, interesting pickup by Chicago as they try and build on some of their success from last season. They did win a couple of games in their inaugural season. But I think depth was certainly an issue yeah. for Chicago. Yeah, I think that's the the key here is that you now have two quality fly halves or scrum halves there who can one gets injured, you've got the other. You one needs to come on partway through the the game. They you've, they've got that option, and I think that's what was missing last year is they had they had maybe fifteen good players and and that was it. And it it's you you need more than that. Yeah. AKP, before we move on to some international news and Rugby World Cup talk, there was one thing I wanted to bring up, and I forgot to bring it off the top of the hour. I'm not sure if you saw it, but Premier Rugby Sevens related, our boy John Lefebvre made the Premier Sevens Dream Team honorable mention. Did you see that? Oh, nice. I did not see that. That's really cool. Made honorable mention for the, I believe, the Pittsburgh Steel Toes. One, what a great name. But um, good to see that he is being recognized for his play. Um, and we hope that he will return. Let me just, yep, there it is right there. Yeah, Pittsburgh Steel Toes on the certain. So good for John. That's the recognition. Yeah, he's a great player. I really hope he can see the field a bit more often this coming year. I mean, it's, it's another one of those. <laughs> you want to see him get time, but yeah. also... I mean, are you really going to take Danny Tustala off the field? But I think I think there's ways of using him, and I, I really hope the coaching staff does that. We shall see as we talk about it at the beginning of October. But let's move on to a couple of international news we'll cover quickly. The USA Women's Eagles were in action over the weekend. They lost their first ever match to Wales, 38-18, to in a town called Coldwind Bay, like that has to, I mean, typical Wales weather, cold and rainy, windy, it seemed like just the ta- the name of the town alone is probably enough to be like, oh my goodness, why are we playing here? But no, so not a good, not the ideal probably start they want as they look ahead to the WXV2 competition, which starts next weekend. They take on Samoa, Milton Hague, interim head coach's first time looking over the team. You know, I think there were some pluses and some minuses there. Some Some good young players stepped in and got some debut um hope rogers it sounds like their hookers she'll be returning for the match against samoa um, next weekend um so be on the lookout for that it sounds like all the matches for the wxv2 will be on rugby pass tv and you can sign up for a free account not even pitching them but i went the other day just to take a look to see if it was going to cost any money um and it was a free account so good to know there the men's eagles it was announced by USA Rugby, but Brian Rave, America's Rugby News, or maybe it was Paul Tate, 
shared that Spain is going to host a mini tournament, three teams, not a round robin. So it's kind of like a, you know, they're going to play two games. The U.S. is in it, Brazil and Canada. So three teams that just missed out on qualifying for this Rugby World Cup. USA is going to play Brazil, and then they'll take on the winner of Spain, Canada, the following weekend. Hey, or the loser if they lose to Brazil. Good point. I think it's unlikely, but worth considering. Yeah, if this was soccer, that'd be a different story, but they should not lose to Brazil. Um, I mean, Brazil has gotten a lot better in rugby. They're they're ranked something like twenty sixth now, which is yeah. is really good. But yeah, we still shouldn't be losing to to Brazil. I mean, I think South America across the board, rugby has just been elevated. I think a lot of that has to do with Super Rugby Americas, um, which is great to see. Uh, but the U.S. has no business losing to Brazil, and I don't mean to put Brazil down. But if we're trying to get back to you know top of the the top of the top tier, getting back to tier one. A loss to Brazil right now would just set us back even further, and <laughs> I don't even want to entertain that thought right now. Like it should be, it should be a one-sided affair, and the and the men's Eagles should pile on the points. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're still a month away from all of that, but we have no we have no business losing to Brazil. Just can't have it happen. Can't. <laughs> I don't think it'll happen. I think yeah, you know Scott Lawrence has got this thing going in the right direction. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that bad. In Scott, we trust for sure. It'll be interesting to see what the rosters will be like, though, because we, in the summer tour, we played a lot of younger players, a lot of new faces, and it was, it was very shaken up. It was, Scott Lawrence really wanted to sort of start with a, a fresh, fresh slate so to speak. And so it's going to be interesting to see whether he continues that here, whether he, he picks a lot of those same players or whether he's trying going to try and settle this down into a roster, focus a bit more on experience and try and get some, a roster that is more win now rather than prepare for the future. It'll be where that, where that balance yeah. is. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, that's an interesting point. And I hadn't thought about that. I was too much, too worried on the result, right? That, I almost kind of, in lieu of, I'm going to totally contradict myself, which is fine. I do it all the time. But in lieu of trying to get a, put up a big number on Brazil, I like the idea of that line being skewed more towards development and looking ahead. So if that means we can get some, some younger players in there so they can get the international experience, playing with you know the men's eagles, making sure there's a veteran steady presence in there you know, to make sure we do get that result that people are certainly going to look at. But I guess we'll find out when they release that, you know, kind of the training roster for it. If there are a number of players that get added to the pool that do not have any caps yet. So it'd be interesting to see, but I could, I'd be willing to go out there to see if they say, okay, yeah, let's, let's get some new players, just kind of get their experience up. But still we have to be Brazil. <laughs> I don't. I don't think even even a young roster can't justify losing to Brazil. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, AKP. We're going to move on and talk a little bit rugby World Cup action. We joked at the top of the show that your new nickname is uh, Mr. Chaos. There was a lack of chaos or drama, if you will, 
this past weekend, seemingly the results going the way people maybe expected. Certainly, um, I mean, New Zealand put up a massive number on on Italy, but even before then, um, Uruguay beat Namibia, but that game was a little bit closer. Japan beat Samoa. I think they needed that there, and what's going on in, in Pult, the Argentina, you know, beat Chile. That was the first time two South American nations had met in a rugby world cup match, which was, which was certainly cool to see. Um, that Fiji Georgia one was probably the one that probably had the most drama, you know, maybe a little sprinkling of AKP's chaos there. Um, yeah. As things get a little nuttier. And then of course, Scotland, I mean, they, they dropped a massive number on Romania. Cause I think Poulet is interesting, right? Because you still have Ireland, South Africa and Scotland. And there was chatter that Ireland and Scotland were going to try and collude to get a certain score to drop South Africa out, which honestly, if I'm the coach of both those, Gregor Townsend and Andy Farrell, I'm like, hey, if we got a way to get South Africa out of this thing, what's the harm in a little backroom conversation? Seriously. <laughs> I know that's against the spirit of the rules here, but like, look, if you can They're eliminate the spring box, how can you prove it? How can you prove it? <laughs> How did you oh, prove man. it? I know. That would be some chaos, right? How wild would that be if the Springboks the spring got eliminated <laughs> because of something like that, that? That would be chaotic. I don't know if I could approve of that method, but <laughs> that outcome, absolutely. I don't think it's going to happen, obviously. I think both I can't squads are too much. advocated to- match fixing. This is a podcast, I, you know. This goes out to the public. No, no I mean, like, yes, yeah, match fixing. But when I hear match fixing, I hear like money exchanging hands. No money is exchanging hands. It's a, it's a ungentlemanly handshake about how we should, how we should try and rig the tournament in our favor. I don't know. Just don't. Know. Okay, I think we should move on so you don't <laughs> dig yourself a bigger hole here. <laughs> What's that famous Simpsons quote? dig up stupid or something like that anyway um all right moving on i think australia they got a little upset eddie jones got a little upset of all your trash talk and they 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 got past portugal australia could still advance though it's seemingly i don't think it's going to happen i think fiji just needs to get like a point or something in australia they're done and out of the out of the tournament but akp we've got some interesting matches coming up here uh I'm really intrigued by this France-Italy match on Friday. Uh, Italy has to win to advance to quarterfinals. Probably not going to beat France. (laughs) Home nation, you know, seemingly quarterfinal berth at stake. Potentially the return of their superhero scrum half and and DuPont. No way Italy beats France, right? Like, that's just not going to happen. It's certainly unlikely. And especially when you see, I mean, Italy, I think people overreacted to Italy's loss to New Zealand. I mean, it yeah. it was bad. It was a bad, they barely kept it under a century. But I think, you know, teams can have good days and bad days and you can't judge them excessively on the good days or excessively on the bad days if they if they do this again if they have another bad game get destroyed by a ton of points then you can sort of say okay yeah italy might just be worse than we thought but 
they've overall played fairly well recently in recent years certainly they've been very competitive so there is there is a chance but i i wouldn't bet on it it would be chaotic it would be a little chaotic uh for sure <clears throat> i think france wins that one they, they've got the whole nation behind them and again they're so close to potentially getting the return of dupont who sounds like he's going to strap on a, a face mask or something to go out and play that's just nuts and I, look if he gets cleared and he can do it i think i think that would be great just for for the rest of, of the action and, and hope that if he does return it's 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 the right call and not being pressured by certain folks but you know we'll see your boys england they returned to action against samoa england was what wrapped up their quarterfinal berth but uh Samoa going to squeak one here, or is England going to ride out of the pool undefeated? I mean, it's hard to feel too confident in England, but they have shown that they tend to win. Other teams have have struggled to win at times, and England hasn't really. So, I would I would take England to win, but I wouldn't be shocked at the Samoan victory. In part because at this point, England has secured their their bid i don't know this this coaching staff seems to be very pragmatic if we're being generous they seem to be very focused on you know doing whatever they need to do regardless of whether it's pretty or not and that if that means you know sort of throw a game to samoa to try some things out or rest some players so they're healthy for the quarterfinals i wouldn't be shocked if they did that but then again they're B sides seem to do pretty well as well. So it's, yeah, I, I'd take England. Yeah. 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 We, we won't run through all of them, but the Ireland Scotland one, I think, is, is going to be interesting just because of the, yeah. you know, it'll be fun to watch. Scotland has so much to play for. Obviously, Ireland does not want to defeat here. And South Africa is going to be watching this one uh, as well. Japan, Argentina, the winner of that really one, that good. is. That is Pool D. The winner of that one will advance to the quarterfinals. So um, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then the last couple ones here, you know, Tonga, Romania, this one here, the winner of that match will just get their their first win if, you know, it could be a draw. But that's a Pool B action. Romania certainly had a tough, had a tough tournament. Um, we'll see what it looks like. Uh, for them, and then Fiji, Portugal. I think Fiji just needs to get one table point out of this for them to advance and, and knock Australia out of the pool stage. So, AKP, while there may not have been very much drama this last week, and it sounds like there could be some drama, some chaos here uh, this weekend. Is there one match you're most looking forward to? One match. I think it's got to be that Japan-Argentina match. That's that strikes me as the the I mean both teams everything to play for it's and both two teams that are reasonably on a level it should be it should be a very compet it was always going to be a very competitive match and give both teams the absolute top end stakes it's, that's that's a recipe for a good a good match an exciting game so Absolutely. That's an early start Sunday morning. That's a 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. So, yeah, go to bed early Saturday night, AKP, or take it easy Saturday night if you want to get up and watch the kickoff of that one. 
but just um, take a nap sometime on Sunday. <laughs> that's right. A lot of busy, busy action that starts on Thursday in a match on Friday. All right, AKP. <clears throat> Closing thoughts. Again, every episode, AKP has no idea what I'm about to ask him to close it out on this, but AKP, closing thoughts. You're Rugby Australia. Tell me why you retain head coach Eddie Jones for the 2027 Rugby World Cup. You retain Eddie Jones because at the end of the day, he's not the fundamental problem with Australian rugby. At the, I mean... Australian rugby was in a bad place before him and you stuck him in charge with no real chance to prepare for the world cup. And Oh wow. It went badly. That's if you weren't expecting this or prepared for this, when you hired him, then I don't know why you hired him in the first place. So you keep him around cause you think he can turn things around for the next world cup. Yeah, KP, I think you nailed it. Uh, I don't think rug, uh, Rugby Australia has too many problems to deal with right now. <clears throat> Adding, searching for another head coach to the mix, that's just they're, they're opening up too many more issues that they need to solve. That I think you got to give Eddie Jones a little bit more time. And I'm not trying to be a defender of Eddie Jones. He's certainly got his detractors, but he does have some entertaining uh, interactions with the media. But I think I think that's the right call for Rugby Australia. So. We'll see. AKP always coming through with the quality thoughts there. On the fly, too. I no idea. Seriously. Completely spontaneous. So, well, AKP, <clears throat> that is another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm looking forward to the Rugby World Cup matches this weekend and insert a little of AKP's chaos into everything. For my co-host, Alistair Kirsch, we'll, we will catch you next week. Talk to you then. Bye.